Welp, it's another day here with Wake Up With KC. And today I'm going to talk about, you know, flipping your mindset and how to do that when you experience trauma or you have beliefs or even programs that's embedded in your subconscious and you don't even know about it. Today, I have a very special guest that I am going to love having this conversation with. Please welcome Stacy Urig. Stacy, <laughs> I've been waiting to connect with you, and you have a specialty in being like the mindset flipper. How did this come about for you? What inspired you to do this? So, you know, it didn't start as an inspiration. It started as... Um, sharing what I had learned. I, you know, I like probably most people in general, but definitely most people in this space of coaching and more specifically trauma coaching, um, we don't get here by happenstance, right? We've had our own past life, you know, lived experiences that um, have caused us to acquire a tremendous amount of post-traumatic wisdom. And so often we just want to share that with the world. And so I just inherently forever, like probably since I was in my late teens, I was just somebody that people would go to for advice, for help, for, um, you know, as a sounding board. And over the years, as I went through more traumatic experiences or more challenges in life, I gained more wisdom. And so in every career I had, I tended to be in a role where I was giving out a lot of advice and a lot of really transformational advice. And I'd find myself, I remember one time brushing my teeth going to work and my husband saying, what do you have to do today at work? And I'm like, well, I know what's on my list of things I need to get done, but I don't even know if I'll get to them because so often... I was um, supporting a small business owner. I said, so often I'm, I'm at work giving therapy or coaching like to this one person whose business that was helping run because sometimes that's what needed to happen. And I loved it. And I just thought, oh my God, this is literally the best job. If I could do this for an income, this would be a gift. And I actually was in direct sales and direct marketing, um, like network marketing for a very long time. And again, I found that the thing that helped people back from succeeding in that area was mindset and the story that they were telling themselves. And I was constantly coaching on that. And it was that organization, people in that organization that actually gave me the title Mindset Mama and the Mindset Flipper. And it clicked. And I thought one day, you know, I'm not, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be in network marketing forever even though I was pretty good at it, I was bored. And I was like, what is it that I love? What's the thing that gets me to want to do it every day? And it was coaching people. So I slowly started going back to school and actually solidifying that. So I could make this kind of like my last act, right? And just help coach people and really formally give people this wisdom that I have. Wow. And, you know, could it be said that, you know, there's a lot of trauma that we do not remember that can be contributed to a past life, but also an early childhood from like the time you're born to even like seven years. That's your informative years. Yeah. So the answer is yes on both. And, you know, pre-recording, you and I were backstage talking about this. Um, it comes in a lot of different forms. I, the people I work with, I tend to do uh, trauma recovery coaching from the person that I'm looking at right here and now. And I'm helping them figure out why they're challenged in the right here and now. I have plenty of colleagues and uh, really dear friends of mine that are able to take people into what's called past life regression with hypnosis and help them explore if past life experiences are a part of why they're challenged today or if there's an answer in a past life experience as to why they're challenged today. 
I do perform hypnosis and I do a lot of subconscious coaching, hypno coaching with my clients, but I tend to focus on the person here, right? And I always say that I tend to work on the core beliefs of this person's self in this container. And my girlfriend that does the past life regression does the core beliefs that are not time-bound, right? That are coming in from every experience that's ever had. If the person's open to that idea of past life, I very often, we work in tandem. It takes a village, right? But I do, I have studied quite a bit and I do believe epigenetics plays a big role and I can often see it with a lot of my family or a lot of my clients with regards to how they're taking it in from their family members. And it could be in this particular set of generations, like three generations down, I'll do something called a genogram with them so they can see how their behaviors have been impacted, how they've been parented, and that's been impacted how they were parented, so on and so forth. And that's all trauma coming in. And I think we're in a really unique time frame for that. We can talk about that. But then there's also this idea of epigenetics where someone can have experienced something three generations ago. And when that woman is pregnant, if she's pregnant with another girl, that girl's eggs are completely formed by the time she's, you know, a few months gestation. And all of that experience gets passed down genetically. That's called epigenetics. And a great book, if somebody's interested in learning more about that, is a book by a guy named Mark Wolin, W-O-L-Y-N-N. And the title is, It Didn't Start With You. Ooh. Right. That's just powerful. Because I've been saying... Um, and I've mentioned this to, with other guests, um, Greg Braden, you know, he got my mind to thinking, wait a minute, I was in my mother's womb and she was in her mother's room. And I go on timeline and history of what was going on. 100%. You know, there was plenty of wars going on. Uh, and you can really backtrace to the beginning of our origins and how we were created, which there's a misconception of that as well. That's a whole nother show. Um, but I'm seeing like, wow. And, you know, coming from a, a woman, you know, and we're the ones that bring life, you know. <laughs> into this earth realm the physical aspect yeah you know and you know being a mom myself it's like i was in a very un you know unhealthy abusive toxic marriages mm. so all the stress that i was feeling and all you know the emotional the verbal the mental abuse carrying my children it just went right down to them. Yeah. I've actually, when I've done hypnosis, when I've done hypnosis with people, I utilize a methodology called rapid transformational therapy. It's a therapeutic model done in hypnosis. I've actually had people tell me that they're back in the womb when I've regressed them. And I'll ask, what are you feeling? And often the answer is exactly what my mother's feeling. There's no barrier. No. And so people discount that. So when I'm working with a client and they're coming to me stuck, and I'm going to put that in, in relative terms, because to me, that's the that's almost the language they use. I'm just so stuck, right? Mm -hmm. um, I do a whole intake and I tell them, look, I'm like a puzzle. I'm like a puzzle master. Okay. So I'm going to ask you all kinds of questions. I don't even know what the picture on the box is supposed to look like and everything's upside down. But I'm constantly asking about, tell me about your great grandfather when you're this side and tell me about this and tell me about that because it all connects. It's all a part of the puzzle, okay? And what's What I find so interesting, and I say that there's two camps of people that I work with, those that are very aware of their trauma right? They're aware of it because maybe it showed up in their life like a thunderstorm or an earthquake or a hurricane. It was undeniable. Everybody knew about it. It was a very clear 
traumatic situation. Maybe they've tried working through it and it didn't work or it did work, but now they're lapsing, whatever it is, they're very aware. But there's a bigger population that comes to me that I would categorize as unaware. Yep. There wasn't the big thunderstorms. There wasn't abuse. It wasn't violent. It wasn't chaotic. It wasn't disorganized. But something happened, like you said. You said by the time they were seven, the studies show between zero and eight. I say womb to eight, right? We could go way back epigenetically, but let's say, you know, gestation to eight years old in these formative years. Um, if you're in any environment where your caretaker or the person responsible for you, a parent, is not meeting a need and you're left feeling unimportant, unseen, unheard, unvalued, insignificant, it will lead you to feeling not enough. And that is processed in the system as traumatic because we don't feel connected. Right. And this is when we start to disconnect from ourselves and start to abandon pieces of ourselves. So we'll try to feel connected. That can be traumatic. And that's going to happen before you're eight years old. So every thought, every notion that you have is through that lens of whether you're enough or not enough. And that could last you a lifetime. And so when I'm working with people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and we're able to go back and I'm actually able to show them, well, this actually, how did this leave you feeling? Well, not good. And how did this leave you feeling? Well, not good. Because maybe this dad was really super disconnected, never showed motion, just went to work, showed up, came home, had a cigarette, sat in front of the TV. He wasn't mean, but I wasn't seen. Mm -hmm. And then maybe mom over here is working three jobs because that's what it takes to get done. And she's busy and she doesn't have time for you. It's not about you. It's survival. But the young child can only make it about them. So you don't have this big thunderstorm situation. It's more like a mess and it's constant. But it leaves the person feeling not enough or different or that something that they want is not available to them. Yeah, and a lot of times children will perceive things that really isn't true, but they're young. And if they're not informed or have an understanding why, you know, mommy's working three jobs. You but it know. Wouldn't even, even if they were informed, it wouldn't click because the, that part of your brain is not fully developed. The only thing that they can infer is I must not be enough. And that's the really hard part for people to understand when we're walking around with toddlers, infants, when we're responsible for these young children, we just assume that because they're so little that they're not getting it, especially when they're pre-verbal, right? And they can't express themselves. But the reality is, is even if you were able to explain it to them, they likely wouldn't really be able to intellectualize it because that part of the brain's not fully developed at that point. No. Wow. And it, and a lot of times it's, you know, even like when I was going through that real self-realization or that self-discovery, I started noticing patterns and cycles that are very similar to, you know, my parents' upbringing, my grandparents' upbringing, and I started noticing beliefs and programs that were passed down. And it's like, well, now I'm like, well, that's your belief. That's not mine. <laughs> well, this is why most of my clients, you know, they're ready to break the cycle. Mm -hmm. They're ready to stop with the myth. Right. And so I always call my clients cycle breakers. And it's very hard to be a cycle breaker because they're not going to get a lot of support for it mm -hmm. all the time. Right. You think you're better than me. Who, who do you think you are? Mainly because it kind of exposes that the other person chose not to break the cycle. 
and it leaves them feeling a certain way. So people that are looking to break cycles are very courageous and they're very strong because they're really willing to go against the grain and set boundaries and do things that will best serve them, which is often taught to be selfish, but it's not. It's self-love, right? It's self-preservation sometimes. Right. And it's like, I listened to a, um, like a morning meditation motivation kind of thing. And there's a gentleman that I, I constantly hear to remind me, you know, you owe it to yourself. You know, if you don't focus on yourself, then how are you supposed to set the example, you know, to live that great life that you so deserve for your children? If you don't do anything and settle for that mediocre life, like, like your family and everybody else is done, then that's selfish. Yeah. But you know, it's just not what we're taught. You talk about programming, what have you. You know, we're really taught to self-sacrifice and to put yourself last very often. And yeah. then unless we break that cycle, we're going to teach that to the next generation. And there's nothing wrong with being happy. And there's nothing wrong with living a fulfilled life. And if that means that you have to set boundaries and you get to choose who's in your life and you get to choose what you do. And you're not necessarily following everybody else's model. You're either going to be supported for it or you're, or you're not. And you're going to have to be okay with the not if you know that this is really what's best for you. And a lot of times I do a lot of hand holding for people that are on that journey because it can be a very lonely journey for a lot of people. Yeah. And it, it's even with your parents, your siblings. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to disassociate because, the, and you just got to recognize that, hey, they're at where they're at. You know, that's what they believe, but I choose to believe what is best for me and live and very my so on my often, term. So often people do follow the path, right? Because they don't want to disappoint. They do want to please. They don't say no, but then they're unfulfilled and they're really unhappy. I'm like, why? Like it took me to my 40s to have that moment. Because people want to be loved and people want to be accepted and people want to be liked. And if there's even an ounce of fear that if I don't do this, my family's not going to be happy with me. If I don't do this, they're not going to, un you know, unconditionally support me or love me. People want to be connected. And so if it means sacrificing yourself, they'll do it until they realize that they can't. And that's usually where the breakdown comes in, right? That's where the overwhelming amount of anxiety comes in, the deep depression, because you're disconnected from what brings you joy, just because you wanted to please everybody else and you were afraid to say no, or afraid to, to do something different. It takes a lot of courage. Well, isn't it also like a false identity, living a false identity of who you are because you have been consumed and molded into what somebody else wants you to be and mm -hmm. who you should be and how you should act. Yep. I know this is pre-recorded, but I literally just did a Facebook post this morning and I went live on Instagram this morning to talk about this exact thing. And I call it shape-shifting. Mm -hmm. And it can start really young, right? The moment we, the moment, it could be your one day old or your 12 years old. The moment you recognize my need is not met as is. I'm going to shed just the littlest part of myself in order to get you I want to meet your needs so you'll meet mine. I'm going to shape shift. I'm going to shed a little bit to show up the way you need me to show up so you will meet my need. Right? And so over time, we don't even realize we're doing it. We shed a little here. We shed a little there. Then a little more. Then a little more. 
next thing you know, you've completely shape-shifted. You've abandoned all these little pieces of yourself. Maybe you're really successful, but you don't, you feel very empty, very disconnected, very unhappy. That's not success. When I say successful, when I put it in quotes, you know, I'm insinuating financially because that's what a lot of people say, not myself. But people don't understand why they're not content when they have it all. Well, they don't have it all. There's a whole piece of themselves that's missing. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I help them explore what are those pieces that you shed? Why did you shed them? And how do we reconnect with them? Because you can't reconnect. As much as you let it go, you can bring it right back in. And I do a lot of that utilizing this RTT method, which is amazing. Wow. And it's fascinating to me because there are so many people that struggle and have a false identity who, who they are and a misconception of who they are. And I'm going to put love into this because we're taught love is from the parent, the caretaker outside. But it's really already in us all. Yeah. Well, we're seeking to experience it. Yeah. Because remember, you no longer look outside or even parent, caretaker, anybody, because it's just, that's conditional love. But remember when we're little, we must rely on other people to meet our needs. So we're kind of conditioned to seek approval, seek acceptance, seek A, B, C, X, Y, Z from a very, very young age because we need our needs met, whether it's love and a hug and soothing until we can learn how to self-soothe or it's I need my diaper changed or I'm hungry or I'm dirty or whatever it is. We're in constant reliance of other people. It takes a really unique situation from the get for a parent to be like, I'm going to teach you how to also rely on yourself. We're not really conditioned to think that way. This is a whole revolutionary idea concept. I certainly didn't do it with my children. If I only knew now when I, you know, then what I knew now. Right. Um, and so it's, it's not anyone's fault that we don't seek it within initially, unless you're really trained from the get to do that, which would be a, a really unique situation in a, in a society like we're in today. Yes. And there is, you know, recognizing the, the beliefs, the programs, you know, from our upbringing, from even religion and society. Yeah. That's a huge eye opener. That's like actually opening up a can of worms, but you yeah. got to, especially in this day and age, you've got to like wake up and recognize that. Do you not see a similar pattern, a similar cycle? It's like history repeating itself, just a different timeline, a different form. A hundred percent. And I have, um, I don't know if you know, like Dr. Wayne Dwyer. Of course. Oh my gosh. I listen to him sometimes. And the, the one thing that stuck out the most to me was, you know, you can be a host of God or a hostage to your ego. It's your call. And I was like, wow, that hit like the core, my core, like, well, yeah, I guess I am like God. You know, but we all have a source from within, right? Right. So that is a God. There's a God in me that I'm connected to. And he did say something else like, you know, just think of your, your soul's a ghost and it's inside this machine that you could touch, feel, and it operates, you know, and does things for you. But this machine will wither away but the core essence of who you are is still there yeah it's changeless it's limitless it's all knowing all powerful it's just inside this machine and i was like that so makes sense now i get it and like i'm connecting the dots yeah remembering who i am 
Mm. Well, we talk a lot about this because we grow up learning that we are what we do, right? So we are how we produce, whether it's as a three or four-year-old on the soccer field, right? Oh my God, you did such, you're such a great kid. Look at all those goals you got. And then you get into elementary school. Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Look at the grade that you got. And we start to put all this value on how somebody shows up as a producer of something. Mm-hmm. And we don't focus as much on who they are as a person. Oh my God, you're so sweet. You have such a kind soul. We're not giving as much cred to that. And so what happens is people learn to get accolade by doing, not by being. Yes. I've been in a few groups of women that are like, hi, you know, my name is such and such and I'm a recovering doer because we've learned to get all of this accolade and all of this attention by showing up and in a way that we are productive and what is kind of put to the side is just who we are, that source Mm -hmm. of just love and light. And so what I've tried to do more recently is change my language with my kids, even though they're teenagers, 13 and 17. And my son just did, you know, we, he just took the SATs for the second time and my husband were, and I were really happy with the result of, of what that was. And I said to my husband, I don't want to focus on the number from him because I don't want him to think that his value is wrapped up on how well he did on this SAT. I just want to ask him, Hey, did you get your score? Did you see it? How do you feel about it? And I'm proud of you for showing up and doing your best. And I didn't even want to focus on the score. And my other son is like a highly incentivized people pleaser and wants to get all A's all the time to the point where it absolutely destroys him. And it's not coming from us. It's coming from within. And um, the same thing, when he gets a report card, I'll just say, how do you feel about it? I don't want to give him a lot of attention to how well he did because I don't want that to be his primary motivator. I want the motivation to be intrinsic. And for him, I don't want it to be pressure. I don't want him to have to live up to something. Well, I've uh, like, I have now, she's just turned 19. I have a 22 year old. I have a 31 going on 32. And then I also reconnected with my son that I gave up for adoption, who's turning 35 in a few weeks. So both my 30 and my 35, my 30th um, kids are turning 30 in October. But I've always, because they were so stressed about homework and, you know, getting these good grades and whatnot. And I always tell them, I'm like, do your best. You know, but figure out what sparks you up lights you up you know what do you what would you like to do or what is it that you love to do that you can look at okay you definitely gotta you gotta go to school gotta learn something but where does certain things or certain areas of your classes sort of go with what it is that you would love to do because you can make that as a career and then go focus in on that and stay with it and see how what opportunities come or what other things to help you along that maybe that's part of your life journey your sole purpose it's whatever sparks you up what lights you up anything else you don't have to pay attention to yeah yeah i i believe in that a hundred percent and i just think you know ultimately our schools are very broken because they are not geared towards that no um you know when we're at home trying to send that message we're really going against the norm Mm -hmm. we're seen as as not helpful so you know there's a very very fine line 
Um, but I think the more you can just instill at home, focusing on who they are versus what they do. And if the person's not showing up in a way that you know is their true authentic self, which is truly just that love and light, if you see these other behaviors coming in, instead of reprimanding the behavior, a great message for your audience is to befriend it and get curious and ask that behavior why it's showing up. Because it's showing up in a very for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to, you know, quiet it and shut it down so it can be heard and get its message out, you are, um, you know, the better thing to do is to really become friendly with it and engage it and figure out what it is that it thinks it's doing for your kiddo. Yes, instead of, you know, a lot of it is like, oh, that's bad behavior or you're being bad. Yeah. That puts a perception in like, they're a bad person. They're not good enough. 100%. It becomes shame. Yeah. So instead, what somebody can do is say, oh, I noticed that you're yelling a lot. Oh, I noticed that you're angrier a lot. Tell me about that. What's that anger doing? You know, who is that anger? What's that anger's name? Do you have a little name for that part of you? Why is it showing up? What's it doing for you? And then, and then, Yes, for teenage years, but if they're acting up in elementary years, it's like, well, why why did you do that? Yeah, this why is why are you being this way? What's wrong? So instead of questioning it as a bad thing, right? Because that's what we would say, but we're trying to shame them into changing the behavior when we say, Why are you doing that? What is showing up? Just stop doing it. Get really curious and really ask it until you have the answer. Why is this showing up? Why is this part so loud for, for you right now? What do you need? What, what's missing? Wow. We can learn so much from our past. And there's yeah. a great saying that um, I speak about is if you don't own your past, you're destined to repeat it. Mm, so good. So good. And you know what? This is, again, why I like to educate people, because it's foreign for a lot of people to have that concept. The idea of having something different doesn't even seem within reach. But if you're not happy in your life, you've got to check yourself and say, what is it that I'm doing? How am I showing up that is not in alignment with my true authentic self? Is it just something that I learned? Is this just the way we do things? Mm -hmm. And is this something that I want to continue? Or even with being in relationships, you know, settling, tolerating, you know, um, and also is it reflecting what I value? Am I getting the same in this relationship? Well, relationships are tricky because we often do what we've been modeled. Yep. Or attract. We attract <laughs> our, our, our upbringing. But it's not even because it's what we've witnessed. It's because it's how it left us feeling. You know, when we talk about the subconscious, what's cataloged in the subconscious is a sensation, a feeling, an emotion and the core belief that's associated with it. That's what's in your subconscious. What's in your conscious mind is your intellect, right? And so we're always looking to repeat the feeling because that feeling is familiar. It may not be productive. It may not be a positive experience. It could be a very toxic experience, but it's familiar and when it's familiar it's predictable and it's consistent and it's constant and you already know how to manage it and being in a relationship that maybe is the opposite of that could feel very uncomfortable and very scary even though it might be more productive does that make sense oh yeah and it's also you know when you mention feeling and it's from an experience it's also energetic, which actually changes the biochemistry in our body. A hundred percent. 
So it's already recorded that feeling, that emotion, which is energy in motion, and the experience. It's recorded in your body, and it's in here. What you and seeking it out here, it's going inwards. Yeah. Yep. And then a lot of people, when they try to change and try to do new things, the body and the mind is like, "What are you doing? This is not good. This it makes you." the body feels it's not safe. It's not okay. Cause you're doing something totally opposite of what was familiar in the first place. Yeah. This is why I work with my clients on cataloging. What is familiar for you? And what's unfamiliar and how do we move the stuff from the familiar column into the unfamiliar and move the stuff from the unfamiliar column into the familiar. Right. And a lot of it comes from reprogramming yourself and really looking at what it is that you want and, and making it a practice and an exercise to start shifting the energy that you do want. Right. And it takes work, but it's very doable. And it gets to like when you start like people form habits, habits form their future. So it takes about 21 I would say 30 days for a new habit to stick. Yeah. So and what I am doing, it transmutes that old energy. Yeah. So I do it in a really specific way. Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm a rapid transformational therapy practitioner. So I'm certified in this. I've trained underneath Marissa Pierre. And um, when I'm working, when I'm working with someone, we start with a presenting issue or a part that keeps showing up that's no longer welcome, right? So I'll just use an example. I recently did this with someone who has a fear of rejection. And when you have a fear of rejection, all these different behaviors show up all the time, right? I don't set boundaries. I don't say no. I avoid conflict. Like all these different things happen as a way to fear rejection or to not allow rejection in, right? If I just say yes to everything and I avoid all these things, I don't have to worry about the rejection. So you you shape shift, right? To make all this stuff happen. And when I'm doing this pre-RTT coaching session, I'll say, well, what would look like, what would it look like for your life to not have any rejection? What would it look like to not have to set, you know, what would it look like to be able to set boundaries, to be able to say no, to not be people pleasing? to have conversations that, any kind of conversation, you don't have to call them conflict or not. What would it look like? And I get them really to envision it. And sometimes it's hard for them to even know what life would look like without this problem because they've never had it. They can't even, they can't even fathom it. So I have them imagine that, that they're sitting in a dark movie theater and they're watching a movie of their life as them without that problem and they can get as creative and expansive with it as they want and i want to know what their face looks like and how does their body move and how do they feel inside and we really get clear about it so at the very end of that rtt session i do something called the transformation and while they're under hypnosis and they've done all this work and kind of started to break this thought process of this old core belief I record this very last piece. And when the session is over, I mix it with some binaural music and I send it to them. And I say to them, now you're going to listen to this for 21 days. It's almost like a personalized meditation or a personalized affirmation. You know, this is how you see yourself. We use a lot of visuals, a lot of imagery, because the mind loves to work with images. And while they're listening to that for 21 days, I continue to coach, I coach them consciously. So this is a really specific tool and a really specific way to start to shift because it takes that 21 to 30 days to make that habit. You're giving them a new habit of thought. You're giving a new habit of suggestion. These things are available to you. You love the way you show up this way. You love the way this feels. Because you've just taught yourself for the last 30, 40 years, this is comfortable. These things don't happen for me. Fear of rejection is important because it protects me, right? So we want to go in the opposite direction. So it's a very systemically 
processed way to try to shift it while we're coaching, but also getting them to listen to a new way that they want to be. And it also connects them to the feeling and the emotion of what it would be like to be that like future self. Right. So when I'm doing it, I'll say to them, you know, what would it look like? How does it show up in your body? What does joy show like? What does it look like? Oh, some people will say it's a big, beautiful turquoise wave that flows inside of me. Some people will say it's like an airy pink cloud with glitter. Like I try to give them as much visualization that they've created as possible. And I say, look at your face. You see yourself in the mirror. You love the way you feel. You love the way you look. Everything's glowing about you. The people are coming up to you. I'll say to them when we're preparing for this, what, what, what do you want people to think? What do you want people to say? How are they seeing you? You just seem so happy. You just seem so light. I love connecting with this part of you. So all of that and using their language gets into it so they can really start to visualize this new life without this, without this core belief or without this old challenge. And wouldn't you agree that we are all creators of our destiny? Yeah. Our life experiences. We were creators. Yeah, we are. And I think that we lose that because we are not really taught to dream when we're growing up. Right. So I'm actually going to this conference in Dallas uh, in October called Dream Builders. And it's all about creating the life that you want. It's a manifestation and, um, Apparently, I haven't been to it, but I have friends that have been that I'm going with this year. And there's just this really systemic way to transform and manifest what you want. And you know what? That, since you brought this up, just something came to me, um, you know, growing up as a a child, you know, I was told, oh, you're you're such a dreamer. You know, you get to reality. And I'm like, huh? You know, and I think that's a program and a belief that shuts us down a lot of times. Well, this is the shedding I talked about. So once yeah. you realize, oh, I'm not going to be accepted into the family as a whole if that piece of me keeps showing up. So we're just going to get that one really quiet. We're just going to put that one in a box. So categorize dreaming is bad. And it's bad because it's not letting me feel like I fit in. Or express right? my authentic self. Right. So, you know, all we want is to fit into our families when we're growing up. That's all we want, right? We just want to be loved, show up and be loved. So there's any little piece of us that we feel is going to block that, shed it, shed it, put it in a box, put it away. I always say to my clients, it's not gone. It's just quieter than the other parts that showed up for you. So let's go back and find the pieces that you shed, start to put them back on, right? Start to love those pieces of yourself again. Wow, I, I've taught myself to, I take back my power now. <laughs> you can't have in my power. Yeah. I'm it back and I'm gonna be me. Yeah, and I'm gonna show up, it's funny, I've had a couple of people when I say, what do you really want? without this problem in your life. And a handful of people have said the same thing, which is I wanna be unapologetically me. And the first time somebody said it, I thought, oh my God, that's so powerful. But then I had like other people say it, literally that phrase, I wanna be unapologetically me. And I was like, God damn, like that is a very powerful statement. It is, I'm gonna, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Yeah, I love it. Yes. You know, no one else. And I, and I think there's a, a misconception of, oh, you know, you got to pray to an outside source for, you know, doing and, and this and that. Or, oh, God is in control. And to be honest, I'm like, no, I'm in control. Uh, we give up a lot of power when we don't look it within. And but we're really, we're really trained to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to go elsewhere. You got to pray above. You got to do this and that and that. And I've seen that really never worked. Why follow that? It's a system. I'll tell you why people follow it. Either they're indoctrinated into it or there's fear. It's fear-based not to follow it. Mm-hmm. 
right? And it's about fitting in. Yeah. If everybody else is doing it in my family and this is what it's going to take, then I need to do it. And we, we talk and I'm not, I, I think religion can be a wonderful, wonderful place for people. It can be very sacred. It can be very special religion, spirituality, all of it. But there can also be a lot of trauma that comes from it. If the person disconnects from their full authentic self um, because of it. So, you know, I think that there's definitely a place for it. But when people start to disconnect from themselves from fear of it, that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, but I I've seen a lot of damage, a lot of trauma. You know, and I and then I studied history and researching and recognizing things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to. That's that's not me and what I want to associate with. And that definitely is not what I believe. Yeah. It's sometimes you just got to cut the cord and go the path that that's already within you. That's waiting. It's like your soul's trying to express and come out and get you on the path that you decided before you even got into the womb. <laughs> exactly. And that's where working with some of my girlfriends that do this past life regression, that's sometimes where that comes in. You know, if I can see this within a client, I will absolutely say, hey, here's another resource you might want to explore in tandem. Um, because I think anytime somebody can gain deeper insight into themselves and why they tick, is crucial to the healing process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, not only that, but it's it's like an awakened moment. Yeah. Like a self-discovery, a self-realization. Like, oh my God, that makes, it just resonates with, that's when you feel the truth of the essence of part of you. Yeah. Yeah. When you get that kind of insight. Every, it's just like connecting the dots and things start making more sense. Like, oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. You yeah. know, the, the positive aspects and the negative aspects. A hundred percent. Look, life is a series of experiences divinely designed for you, whether in this lifetime or in another lifetime. They're all designed for you as a path to enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. And so whenever people are fighting these bad experiences, I always try to say to them, there's really no such thing as bad and good. Mm -mm. Because really, it's the most challenging, the most excruciating experiences that are the ones that cause you to break wide open, pivot, change, grow, evolve. And I always see the really pleasant, good experiences as like pure respite. Like this is where we just get to fill our tank on this road trip of life. And, um, you know, the more challenge you go through, the more there's to be learned. And I feel like the people that have been allowed themselves to accept the challenges that they've been in tend to be the most evolved and the most transformed by it and tend to be the most compassionate as well. Yes, because then you have that both understanding of going to like putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. You know, that's where compassion and empathy comes in. Yeah, it's like I totally relate what you're going through. You know, I've been through there myself. This is yeah. what I've learned from it, and I'm just going to pass on the knowledge and the wisdom to you. What you it's do like from there, it's on you. Mm -hmm. You know, and my 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 one of my other favorite quotes is, "I'm free to be me." Plain and simple, free to be me. Yeah, it is simple. No one can be me but me. Yeah. I think usually that gets combated with, but what if people don't like me? And my response would be, you have to start to like yourself first. You got to stop. Weird. If they don't like you, they're not your part of your tribe. They're That's not right, but they're not conditioned to believe that. This is, um, if anybody's ever read Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, she talks a lot about the arena. 
And that, you know, the idea that we automatically put our family into our arena because that's what we're taught to do. Mm -hmm. These are the people you're supposed to rely on. These are the people you should rely on and that you should put into your circle. But remember, everybody comes into our life with their own lived experiences and not everybody deserves to be in the arena. Not because they're a bad person. This is not about shame, but it's because they can't support you in the way that you need to be supported. Not because you're not worth it, because they're limited from their own challenges. Yeah, their own programs. And that's what I realized about my family. Right. And so we put all these people in our arena and we're taught this is it. And so now all of a sudden, when you want to show up in a different way, you're kind of indoctrinated to believe you're going to be alone because we're not going to follow. But those people were never meant to be there in the first place. You put them there. They didn't earn it. So now it's about really, you know, sometimes for some people releasing that family of origin and creating their own. Yep. And I that's what I've been working on. Yeah, it takes a lot. I've had that realization, and and like I, there's more to life than this. Yeah, and it's a mate. It's been a very enlightful journey, an interesting adventure. Mm. You know, and I'm seeing. You know, there's still some issues with, you know, some of my daughters, but I see them learning and growing and evolving too. And it's because I'm doing it myself. It's just, it's transferable. They're going through that as well. They're opening up. They're understanding more. And yet they're still experiencing things. And like, what did you learn from it? What can you learn from that? Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a beautiful, it's like, There's beauty coming from the dark. Yeah, like I said, there's a gift in every challenge. There's a purpose in all pain. You know, and people don't like to hear that because sometimes things are really excruciatingly painful. But you'll have learned something about yourself in that experience that you could not have learned any other way. And that's part of the purpose of your life. You know, a purpose of our life is to evolve. And not be the same as when we were born, even if it's only for a few minutes. You know what, Stacey? There's something just came to my remembrance. Like, there are certain things that I have experienced. And I just pause. Like, I get the best advice sometimes just talking to my higher self. And I have <laughs> like, conversations with myself. I could be in the car, in you know, in the shower. Yeah. And I'm like what again was this person like purpose of having this experience because i really didn't like it and one i'm so over it now so can we just change it now like those kind of conversations yeah i find myself what was the reason why i wanted to experience this again what was the purpose yeah oh okay and you know what sometimes we will not know that purpose for a decade more Mm -hmm. even Right. We're not necessarily able to harness it in that moment. But as we come towards the end, we'll be able to look back and see what was gained from it. And I'm very, 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 very mindful as I'm saying this. uh, You know, what I think to myself is parents who have lost a child. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think they just want to like backslap me when I say these things. And what I want to be clear is that I'm not saying that the experience was a gift. When I say there's a gift in the challenge and a purpose in the pain, what I'm saying is something comes out of this experience that couldn't come out of it otherwise unless you went through this experience. It doesn't mean that the experience felt good. It doesn't mean that you would turn around and say it was a great experience. It means that something came out of it that couldn't come out of it otherwise. And it was a very impactful thing for you. Mm -hmm. The gift is the impact. The gift is the shift. It's the evolution. It's the change. It's the pivot. It's the transformation 
that occurs within you or in your life that couldn't have occurred without that experience. So maybe a person you met on the same ward as your child that you couldn't have met otherwise. Would you have rather had your child? No doubt. No question about it. I'm not saying that one is a replacement of the other. What I'm saying is that person is now a gift in your life. Well, not only that, but sometimes it's, it becomes the catalyst. Yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. Advocacy very often for people, you know, being the mouthpiece for something. Again, wouldn't want it that way. But we can't control the things that happen in our life. So how can we find some meaning and purpose behind it? And sometimes that gives you the meaning and purpose. As hard mm-hmm. as that, I know that mm-hmm. sometimes the, you know, I, I'm a Virgo and, you know, I'm always been about, you know, I'd rather have the truth than the lie, the deceit and the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me too. A hundred percent. Even though I'm not a Virgo, a hundred percent. And I have this little, you know, spiritual gift of, you know, the bullshit detector. I have it as well. It, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, you know, growing up, I didn't understand what I was experiencing and why it was I was experiencing what I was experiencing, you know, being brought up in the church religion thing. Yes. And I had to get away from that in order to understand and get more clarity on my gift. Yeah. And, and whatnot. So then it started making, I'm like, oh, Okay, so when I'm quiet, I'm assessing, I'm questioning, and I'm like, hmm, is this person uh, being honest with me right now? And I'll feel it. Yeah, it's an intuition. I feel it, like if I, and it's like I hear, when I hear the truth, I feel the truth. So when I question if somebody's being honest with me, and I'm not getting that feeling, then I discern, okay, truth will reveal itself. Have you read the the four agreements? Yes. Okay. Did you get the fifth agreement? No. Oh, there's a fifth agreement. I want to say it came out a few years ago. Okay. And it, what's interesting about the book is he kind of brushes over the first four, but this fifth agreement is listen, but be skeptical. Mm-hmm. Right? Listen, but be cynical just a little bit. Don't believe everything you've been taught. Listen. Listen to why it's being said. Listen to how it's being said. But don't believe everything is truth. Be mindful and be aware and trust your gut. You know, that's that instinct. When you're when you have a good gut check, that's the BS detector, right? Yep. And I think growing up and and I said, there is, you know, the religion aspect will shut that, that spiritual. Yeah, it does. As a young child. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the, in what you said earlier, the doctrination, indoctrination of it. Um, because I was very inquisitive. I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. And then I was told you don't know what you're talking about and you know, shut down, shut down. Denial of reality, a little gaslighting thrown in there. And that messed me up. Yeah. It messes up a lot of people. It really does. With a lot of people too. They don't realize that, Hey, you might not remember this as a kid, but when you were questioning things that you were being told about your, what you should believe in and whatnot, that's still playing a part in your life today. Yes, and I do see it. I see quite a few people who just take whatever's told to them as pure truth, and they're not using any kind of critical thinking, right? Or any kind of discriminative thinking to make a decision. And it doesn't work well. And it, it, it could come down as simply as a diagnosis of health. Well, the doctor must know because they're a doctor and they know better than me because I'm not. 
and I'm just going to listen to what they say and I'm not going to get a second opinion because I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. I don't want them to think that they're not good at their job. I'm going to disconnect from myself, put my needs over here because I'm going to put the doctor's needs first. I don't want that doctor to feel bad if I go for the second opinion. So I'll just stick with that doctor. I've seen that happen so many times. And I'm, you know, I'm a Jersey girl. I'm shaking <laughs> these people saying, go to fucking New York. What are you, out of your mind? Go get a second opinion. We don't, in Jersey, we don't listen. We call BS on everything. So when I question, people, question everything. So when I see people not even questioning a doctor or asking for a second opinion because they're afraid they're going to hurt somebody else's feelings, I'm like, okay, sister, mister, we need to have a little come to Jesus because <laughs> this, I cannot allow this to happen. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Yeah, because really the reality is, is you could be putting yourself in harm's way. Doctors right? don't know everything. They don't know everything. So many doctors tell me when it came to my kids' health that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're not going there. That's well, inaccurate. The, what is it, that HPV vaccination shot that now they, you know, like, you got to get this, it will prevent this and this and this. And I'm like, huh? Uh, excuse me. <laughs> that wasn't around, you know, growing up. It wasn't an issue. I don't know how this came about, but there's something not right with this. And the doctors would tell me, you need to get your children on this HPV, you know, that vaccine, vaccinated um, for that virus STD. And I'm like, look, growing up, I had, you know, I knew about chlamydia, uh, gonorrhea, the herpes, and all of this. Well, it wasn't, we weren't aware of it, you know, back in those days. But now it's necessary for you to get this. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, and I'm like, I don't believe my children need that. Um, it's not mandatory for their school system, so they ain't getting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, what's the propaganda behind that? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just like with the, the history and our education, they put the curriculum and everything of what they want to you to take in and learn not to think outside the box not use thinking outside of the box for sure you and me both you and me both it, and that's what i created this show about is to get people to start thinking outside the box yep you know question your own beliefs how is that working for you how is that serving you look at your life your lifestyle and everything. And then look at your parents. Look at your grandparents. Do you yeah. see some similarities here? Is that the yeah. life you want? And they're taught, this is how we do it. Yeah. This is how we do it. And this so why mess, why mess with it? Go to school, get good grades, get a good job, get married, have kids, get the house, get the car, be in debt. That's life. No. Yeah. yeah. Thank God I got out of that program. You know, and I read a good book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you read it? I have not, but I'm familiar with it. Girl, that was an eye-opener for me. Let me <laughs> tell you. Because Robert Kiyosaki, and it's it like stuck out like a sore thumb to me when, when I was reading the book. It's the poor teach the poor to be poor. Yes. The middle class teach the middle class to be middle class. And the rich teach the rich to be rich. Which category were you brought up in? And I was like, I think we're poor middle class. I'm not sure. He goes, well, if you don't want to follow in your, you know, what you were brought up in, you got to change it. Yes. You got to well, learn. From the this is when you were saying you can create your own life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been working on. You know, have I had ups and downs? Have I been through horrific experiences? Absolutely. 
Was it hard and challenging? Absolutely. But I'm not giving up. Yeah. You know, because I thrive on, I'm not going to be here doing the same thing this time next year. I'm going to be doing something better. Yep. Yep. And, and I think those people who want to do that either have found their path and or they're they're afraid of rocking the boat. Oh, I like rocking the boat now, baby. Let's, <laughs> Let's rock that boat. <laughs> You've evolved. Yes. And I loved having you on the show, Steve. Uh, thank you. It was awesome. And I put every your links for people that want to have a session with you. Um, all the contact information, Facebook, all of that is in the description notes. So I encourage you guys, you know, to have a session with Stacy. If you feel stuck, you're not sure. Um, if you're not even aware that some of your traumas are still affecting yeah. you this day of keeping you you know, from what you, you truly desire to be, look up Stacy and have a session with her. Well, thank I, you. Am, I am so, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on the show, Stacy. Thank Thanks you so much. Well, there you go. You never know who I'm going to have on the show. So I hope this was enlightful and educational and informative. And if you truly desire to make the change and you're struggling in what area, maybe it is trauma, maybe it is beliefs, maybe it is programs or even a past life, Stacy's here to help you. So stay tuned for another episode with Wake Up With Casey. You never know who I'm going to get on this show.